Welcome everybody to Cheers from the Press Box. My name is Brennan Tassif. I'm joined as always by the great Joe Dorville out of Atlanta. And then coming to us all the way from Denver is gonna be El Greg. What's going on guys? What's going hey, on B? So this is gonna be um, first episode, episode one of our sports podcast. We're all big sports fans. Some of us played, some of us didn't. And we're gonna just kind of go through the rundown of the show. To start, we're gonna do the tip off, which is what I'm doing right now, the intro to the show. Then we'll have the kickoff, where we'll go through several topics from the sports world. Quick hits is where El Greg will give us, field us five questions that he's thought of. Then we'll do the walk-off, which is gonna be um, an essay-type portion from Joe and then myself. That'll be uninterrupted, just kind of our views on a certain particular topic. And then we're gonna end it all with the press conference. That'll be the sign-off. So let's see how this all goes, boys. Well, that was extremely professional. Have you been doing this all your life, bud? (laughs) (laughs) I listen to a lot of podcasts. Understandably so, as all of us do. All right, and I like the subtle shade that some of us played, some of us didn't. Uh, I'll take that in stride. (laughs) I almost took um, your joke, and then I was like, wait, I can't just... (laughs) He just told it to me. I can't just steal it. As long as you pay me up front for it. Yeah, right. All right, so we're going to get, obviously, the thing on everybody's mind. The NBA playoffs are going on right now. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to talk NFL. (laughs) First thing we're going to do is talk NFL. Um, The NFL is back. Uh, obviously, being from Jacksonville, I want to talk about the Jaguars-Colts game. I want to get your guys' Let's opinion on that. Let's do so, it. So, going into this, um, Joe, I'm interested to know what you thought um, about the Jaguars season. Uh, you know, some people projected them to be the worst team in NFL history. Um, I want to get kind of your take on everything that was happening with that. I did not think they were going to be the worst team in NFL history, but I thought they would be among the worst. Uh, The 0-16 Lions, the 0-16 Browns. I didn't think they'd go 0-16 because that's so – you have to be trying to do that, essentially. And I don't think they would have tried to do that. Um, But I more so had uh, a positive outlook on the Colts. I thought the Colts would be better. I thought getting Phillip Rivers a more stable hand than Jacoby Brissett would have played well to them. You surrounded T.Y. with two younger prospects, and uh, I think it's Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah. And uh, Jonathan Taylor in the backfield to supplement Marlon Mack. My roommates are making a lot of noise right now. Um, so I thought – I didn't think the Jags had a chance to win this game, but I didn't think they would be god-awful. Um, that's true. And then Marlon Mack went down with the injury, but Jonathan Taylor looked like a man possessed in the game. But my biggest thing was I was just and frustrated. And he was catching out of the backfield. Which, yeah. I mean, we didn't see a lot of that in Wisconsin. No, I was going to say, they just I-formation pro style. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to run it down your throat, try and stop it. But it was interesting to me because um, I know we've talked about this off air, but the biggest thing for me is the uh, difference between being a, a young team and unproven and then being a bad team. I think there's a huge difference because, you know, it, there's there's players that nobody thinks are going to be any good until they are good. And then everyone was like, oh, yeah, duh. I saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that that's frustrating for me because, you know, I know Gardner Minshew, everyone, you know, thinks is a system quarterback and stuff. But I think the leadership that he provides and the fact that people want to run through a brick wall for him means a lot. When it comes to the older, team itself, he's an older second year player, is he not? 
Yeah. Is he so closer he's, to like he 24, was, 25? Yeah, he was, he's, he was like a six-year senior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he broke his hand uh, so he could get – he broke his non-throwing hand so he could get medically redshirted to play another year of college football. He's okay. – but it's very much like you hear about some of these quarterbacks um, that are good – but then they never amount to anything because they're always missing that quote unquote X factor. And I just think we'll he's talk somebody about one of those later in Cleveland, by the way. Yes, we will. <laughs> and I just think it's one of those interesting situations where he's going to be underrated and undervalued until some until they start winning like a lot. And then everyone's going to be like, well, look what he did in college. He broke all these records. We all knew he was going to be good. And to me, that's extremely frustrating as a fan from the inside looking out, because I've been saying they were going to be at least decent, at least eight and eight this year since the draft. Can we think of a comp for Gardner? Like in the last couple of years, like somebody who slid that low that we had like no expectations for, who's like, I don't think he's going to have like a super long career, but he'll be around for a while. Yeah. There's no one I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I mean, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo because he was just Brady's backup for a long time. We didn't know anything about him, really. Yeah, well, and the reason I can't think of a comp is because I don't want to put him in the category of, like, a uh, Dak Prescott or a Russell Wilson. or You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah, I don't no. think he's going to be why Russell I Wilson. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, who slipped in Even the draft. Even though he made it the... to the Super Bowl, it wasn't because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I think it's going to be definitely a situation where he's going to get these players to want to play for him. And I've been around both situations. I've played with quarterbacks where I'm like, this guy's like garbage. Like, we're he's going to get us killed. And then I've played with guys where they weren't the most talented players, but you're like, I, I don't care. Like, I will sooner cut my own throat than let him, you know what I mean, than let him take a sack. And it's just, I think, I think that speaks volumes because everyone in the NFL is good. Like, the difference yeah. between a Chase Young a J.J. Watt, a T.J. Watt, a Bosa oh, brother. Don't say Chase Young. You're giving me fucking mental flashbacks. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the difference between those guys and then journeymen, longtime players or players that play for a year or two and then get cut. It's opportunity and reps. Is it, Well, not only that, but just milliseconds. Like literally yeah. a difference yeah. between a, a 4.7 and a 4.2. The different, and, that's, and people think like, oh, he ran a 4.5.40. Alfred Morris, who I played with in college, ran a four six forty, and then broke every one of Clinton Portis's records for his rookie in season in Washington. And yeah. I know it was a lot to do with the scheme, but it's like literally it's milliseconds that are the difference, especially in like three cone drill and shuttle drill and stuff like that. So it's so bizarre to me when people like just regular fans are like, "Oh, they suck." It's like these are the most elite athletes. Yeah, the Browns beat the, <laughs> the Ravens last year. Like these guys all get paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. I just wanted to talk about that at the top because um, I, I told you guys, but we had a lot of the players come into the place where I work last night and where I was talking to them about it. And they're like, yeah, man, big victory. And I was like, shoot, I've been calling this for the last like, <laughs> you know, four months. Like I, I saw this coming and everyone else is just talking about 0 and 16 and the worst team in NFL history. And I was like, that's that's not even, you know, Chris Long so was. Are they leading the division? Well, the Titans play tonight. Yeah, the Titans play tonight. So hopefully Denver comes through and beats the Titans, and then we're number one in the AFC South, baby. At least for a week, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's better than anyone anticipated. Uh, Speaking of um, expectations versus reality, I did want to throw to the uh, Dallas Cowboys um, Mm. in the game last night. All these big contracts, all this money that Jerry Jones has thrown at this team, 
all these expectations all they these have. Big contracts. They still haven't given their quarterback a big contract. No, I know, but you know what I mean. They're gonna. I mean, <laughs> I they're going. They got Zeke. They got a Cooper under contract. Uh, yeah, with Lyle well, Collins also giving a bigger contract. And then they pay. Yeah, they pay the the offensive lineman, and then they have to pay. Um, I'm spacing on the the uh, defensive tackle. Uh, um, I don't remember. Oh, oh, Demarcus is it, Lawrence. Is it okay? I was say, is it Lawrence? Yeah, yeah, or? yeah. So like, but. The weird thing is, is because Dallas is, quote unquote, America's team, they get all this coverage. But I don't think I think if it was in any if it was the same players on any other team, the expectations would not be overhyped. Yeah, exactly. The expectations wouldn't be this high because the Rams team that did go to the Super Bowl two years ago, but then looked not abysmal, but didn't look very good last year. As good as that team didn't look especially for the players that they had last year. Yeah. You know, it did not look have, as good last year. If you have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the same defense, that should be, you know, shut down, game over, fill it with role players, and we'll, you know, <laughs> we're good. Yeah, you got your front protector, you got the back protector. And uh, they, have, they had Littleton last year as, yeah, a, yeah. as a linebacker. So they had, like, all three levels pretty solid. Yeah, and so for them to come out and then just do what they did to Dallas, I thought, I thought it was embarrassing personally because Zeke couldn't even get going. Well, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Upfront knowledge, folks. I'm an Eagles fan, so I hate the Cowboys like, <laughs> with a burning passion. So, um, I mean, this is just the Cowboys being the Cowboys. They, they lose games that they should win. They win games they should lose. And they'll be a conundrum and find, it, find their way to 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven, And everybody looks at the coach and is like, is it his fault? Is it the player's fault? Is it Jerry's fault for putting pressure on the team? So I, I don't ever believe in the Cowboys. The Cowboys haven't proven anything to anything to me since freaking Dion and Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith were there. Well, and that's the thing too, is speaking of coach, Mike McCarthy was studied analytics, did all that stuff, and was supposed to come in and be the savior of this franchise. And everyone last night was like, Oh, this is just Jason Garrett 2.0. Yeah, I mean, he studied analytics, and the analytics he studied was, I should go for it on fourth down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was the only thing he got. Anybody who plays Madden knows that. (laughs) Greg, you have something to say? Well, it is Jason Garrett 2.0 because they kept the same offensive coordinator to keep some continuity on the offense. But uh, they they probably needed some um, fresh blood, but... Well, they needed they needed to not have a retread coach because McCarthy didn't lose his job in Green Bay because he was a great coach. He 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 was kind of past his time. I don't think uh, Aaron Rodgers was saying like the guy was kind of checked out for a lot of the last season. So I don't see what one year off and quote unquote studying analytics was going to make a difference. So the offense looked the same as it did in Green Bay. Everybody was talking about all these weapons they were going to have with Amari, CeeDee, Lamb, Gallup, and they scored 17 points. Yeah. Like, how, how do you do that? Ezekiel Elliott claims to be one of the greatest running backs in NFL history. Had uh, longest run was 14 yards. Like, come on. <laughs> and, they, and they have, and don't get it twisted, they have a fantastic offensive line. They have so they super talent. Yeah. How about they, they did lose their center, uh, yeah, Travis no, Fredericks. He opted out. Of the, he didn't opt out. He retired because I believe of a neck injury. But, I mean, that happened. He was all out all last season. So that center is still the center there from last season. And they had a productive season. Yeah. But and they then missed the playoff. Due to they the had um, 
Van Der Esch got hurt again, and I've I hate to see it because I I really like him as a player, but he can't he can't stay healthy. The best there ability is be, availability. I'm not a curse guy, but there has to be some type of curse on the middle linebacker of the Dallas Cowboys because Sean Lee could never stay healthy, and now Van Der Esch is looking like he's going down that same trend. Yeah, it's it's not good. I I honestly it's Fair it's. Good. Yeah, it's weird, especially when you look at the way he's built. He's a mon- like he's a monster. Yeah, what what did he injure? Broken collarbone out six to eight weeks. Oh, he has to get surgery. Geez. Yeah, and it's just sad. unreal because he's. It's weird because when you see certain players that get hurt a lot, you kind of think like, oh, well, that just kind of happens, you know, like the uh, like uh, um, uh, well, Sam and Sam? Uh, and St. Louis. Um, Sam, God. Sammy Watt. Sammy Watt. No, no, no. The quarterback. Uh, shit. What's his last name? St. Louis. Yeah, St. Louis drafted him. The last quarterback to get the. Uh, oh, Sam Bradford. Bradford. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and that was his thing. Was you looked at him and he looked smaller. Like he's a big dude, but he still looks yeah. smaller than everyone on the field. So looks like he would get at times. Yeah, he'd get, he, he when he would put the jersey on the regular jersey that didn't have the sleeveless. You're like, is that a high school player? Yeah, and is he that would a kid get, dressing up as a quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> he would just get hurt, and you think like, oh, okay, I understand. But Van Der Esch is a 250 pound middle linebacker, and for him to constantly get hurt, you're kind of like, "What is happening?" It's weird, here? man, because Sam Bradford, Sam Bradford, Matthew Stafford also gets hurt like on a repeated basis. Yep. So it's like, it's it's really just like a, it's a crapshoot. There's no like definitive reason. Uh, I don't know if there's a really a preventative thing you can do. Because, I mean, somebody like, we're not talking about this, but like Giancarlo Stanton gets hurt every year, but he's built like a fucking Greek statue. But then he always gets like a sore tissue or a hamstring or a calf and he's out for four to six weeks. It's just, it's good. It's just where you put the pressure on your body and then other places begin to compensate. But collarbone is kind of a random accident. Yeah, and I think well, and I think just certain people are are built differently. Like I was never the most athletic, and I'm frumpy, and I've always had a gut, but I never knock on wood, I never got hurt. And I mean, I was, you know, I didn't really ever play, especially in college, but I was like scout team all American. So you're going every day <laughs> in practice, like you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. a tackling dummy, getting my face blown up every single day, and I never got hurt. And then there's guys that are super talented and super good, and then it's just like every year they cannot stay healthy and to me that's just it's disheartening really because they're such good players yeah man it's it's uh it's upset i mean i can testament to uh speak oh boy uh testament to what we're talking about the eagles every year yeah we were missing our freaking right guard our right tackles out alshon's still out miles sanders our rookie running back from last year is out it's like Every year we start off with five inactives, five, ten inactives. And it's like, is it the medical staff? Is it just them? Like, what is happening? <laughs> well, and it's bizarre, too, because I heard um, I was listening to the Ryan Russillo podcast earlier today. And it was really interesting what they were talking about um, because he made a good point, which I agree with. Trent Dilfer was on there and they said, listen, everyone after week one wants to jump to these conclusions about who these teams are. And even before week one. But these aren't going to be the same teams in week six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No. Especially in a year like this where a lot of this stuff is being piecemeal. There was no preseason, so a lot of teams are still figuring themselves out at this point. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie to you guys. When 
Josh Allen, the defensive end, the true Josh Allen in the <laughs> NFL went down. I freaked out. Luckily, it was yeah. just leg cramps. I yeah, got him 700 to 1 us. defensive player of the year, baby. Let's get that bet going. I Long shot odds. Don't think, still don't think you're going to get that. Uh, Aaron Donald exists. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. That's true. All right. And then Aaron Donald world and we're just living it. <laughs> he won it, what, two or three years in a row? I mean, close to it. Yeah. That guy's an animal. Did you see right. the replay of him like just tossing two offensive linemen? Yeah. And then I was talking to you about this. I saw him on Hard Knocks. With his oh, shirt yeah. off, and I was like, Jesus Christ. Guys, chisel. He's got he like abs three like start 300 recruit. pounds almost. Yeah. Insane. Insane. Joe, you wanted to go a little bit more around the league. What do you got for us? Buddy? Yeah, I wanted to touch on a couple of things. Uh, these are just quick uh, quick hitters. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers still. Yep. Uh, he and he's was- pissed off. <laughs> It was very cute to say, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, he might be past his prime. He might have lost a step. And then he throws for like, what, three, 400 yards, four touchdowns. Just uh, dog walks the Minnesota Vikings as he does every year. And I took um, the Vikings, too. I In the pick league, I fucking I thought, took the Vikings as well. Everybody uh, kept hyping them up. <laughs> not only that, but they have a they have a decent team. I mean, they, they have got a good a solid team. team. And, and everyone had just got paid. Yeah. Everyone was talking about their uh, how the um, – uh, the Green Bay Packers draft was garbage, and Which how they're yeah, and how Aaron Rodgers, like you were just saying, is washed up, and they're gonna have to move on, and they don't have any yeah. skill positions besides the Adams boys, and oh my goodness, it was it was a mess. Aaron Rodgers' best uh, ability is his ability to never throw an interception. Yeah, I was say he has. I think I saw it last year. He has about the same amount of interception as Jameis, and Jameis has only been the, at the league in that time. Jameis has only been in the league for five years, and Rodgers have been in ten plus. So he, yeah, he last year he had twenty six touchdowns, four interceptions. That's it. He's out of five hundred and seventy attempts, it's insane. Um, Young Ho Koo, I believe that's his name, is a legend. Uh, last year he he converted like. Four onside kicks, and this year he already started the season with one. Yeah, I thought that was pretty amazing because onside kicks are just so hard to get at this time. Just real quick to answer what you were what you were talking about: three hundred sixty-four passing yards is what he ended up with yesterday. Three forty-six, yeah, yeah, three sixty-four, four touchdowns. Sixty-four, sorry. Yeah, geez, that's insane. Yeah, no, he's an animal, and it was like on like over sixty percent completion. <laughs> yeah, well, it says here forty-four attempts, so. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's a, a crazy man. Uh, Arizona's not to be looked over. They beat uh, the defending NFC champs. You don't believe in them? No, you know how I feel about Arizona because of what happened last year with Kyler Murray having worse statistics than Gardner and everyone oh. praising him because he was the first pick in the draft. How many? Jamarcus Russell, that's all I'm going to say about first picks in the draft. And I'm not saying he's bad, but what I'm saying is all the hype around him is warranted because he's a very good mm-hmm. player. It's just disappointing when you do everything you can and you're you statistically you're a better player. He had more yeah. wins, more touchdowns, fewer interceptions. Statistically, a better player. And everyone's what last year and going into this year was like Kyler Murray is going to lead the Cardinals with all his yeah. weapons. And then they're like Gardner who? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, wh- when better. you get that number. When you get that number one pick, it comes with a little bit of cachet. People have their eyes on you. 
No, you're um, right, but I didn't mean to cut you off. It's just when people bring up the Cardinals, it makes my blood boil because I no, don't. It's fine. I'm, I I'm think they're good. I obviously, and they have those weapons. And Larry Fitzgerald's the best mentor for Hop he, anyone Ooh. could ask for. But that I don't think they're this. Yeah, it was. I think yeah. they're going to be good, especially if Patrick Peterson could get back to Patrick Peterson of old, and their secondary would be better with him and. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, Buda Baker, and uh, they drafted Isaiah Simmons, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and they got Chandler Jones. Their defense is solid. I, I mean, I don't I know if they're Isaiah Simmons win, so bad, but they can definitely contend in that NFC West, which is a juggernaut of a division with Seattle and the Rams and San Francisco. Yeah. Um, I got here the Washed Bowl. Uh, this was Brady versus Breeze. Brady, uh, everybody was hot on the Bucks because a lot of offseason moves. And uh, yeah, Brady didn't look that hot, folks. A Brady. lot of offseason moves. You mean going out and getting <laughs> the greatest quarterback that ever lived? I mean, well past his prime. Yeah. Uh, getting uh, a Hall of Fame tight end who was coming off of retirement. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I never had high hopes for them. I don't know what you thought they were going to be, but, um, they looked as about as good as I would have expected, but Brady looks pretty bad. I'm going to tell you the truth. After that first drive, I Mm. thought it's over. Brady's back. (laughs) Gronk is back. Here we go. And then. Oh, oh, then it it all fell apart. And it all went downhill. <laughs> but that first drive, man, I was like, "This is the he's here, baby. Let's go." Well, that's the thing about a first drive; it's mainly scripted, so you you kind of oh, it's kinda also it's just, not mainly it is scripted. Yeah, the whole thing scripted. is scripted. Yeah, so you kind of know what you're doing, the goal and everything. But after that, you're kind of improv, and so it's up to the play calling and the execution. And yeah, there are a lot of. Uh, Brady passes right into the ground behind receivers. Uh, I don't know if he overthrew any receivers because his arm looked not in the best of shapes. But uh, he had his third pick six in three last three games. Uh, Yeah, it's not looking great for Mr. Thomas Brady. I think they'll be better off as the season progresses because they do have a top 10 defense. The problem with it last year the defense got a bad rap because Jameis would throw a turnover. Yeah, getting the ball over. Yeah, they, if the other team's getting the ball and you know what I mean, like already pretty much in the red zone, like you can't, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I they had, was it Shaq Barrett led the yeah. league in sacks? I mean, Shaquille I feel like Barrett, that's yeah. going to regress um, just because I don't think they could keep the same level of production. No, but, I understand that, but just the – and I mean, I, I know – in the NFL, you could fall off within a blink of an eye, but Indomitian yeah. Sue, JPP, Barrett, you know, those are three of the yeah. most elite pass rushers. I'm not, I For shouldn't sure. say, I shouldn't put JPP up there, but Indomitian Sue still is a man possessed when he, wants, when he wants to be. Yeah. Um, and then to take it to the other side of the offense of the, boy, I can't get any of my cliches out today. Um, the other side of the gridiron, uh, Breeze looked even more washed than Brady. <laughs> yeah. Overthrowing people left and right. I mean, could he? Uh, they had to bring in Taysom Hill to complete a down the field pass. Which Breeze they did last year, too. Yeah, they did. They, they didn't do they that do that in the times. playoff yep. or yep. that game against Minnesota, right? Yeah, that's the game. I'm, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. 
he came in the game and everyone thought he was going to run it. And then he heaved it down the field because they didn't want Brady to, or excuse me, Breeze, Breeze. to throw out his arm. Yeah. I mean, Breeze has been looking washed at the end of the last two seasons to me, dating back to um, the infamous pass interference call uh, against the Rams because people always go back to the pa- the P.I. call, but that game went into overtime and then Breeze just threw an inexplicable interception and that's how that game ended. So he hasn't been able to get to the end of the season as well as he's gotten through the season. Last year, he had a bit of a respite where Teddy came in when he got hurt for those five weeks. And then again, at the end of the season, he kind of fell apart. Yeah. So... I mean, in this game, he averaged 5.3 yards of completion, which was less than Brady. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, if it's not short or intermediate, he's kind of just done. And he's still very good with those short and intermediate passes. It's just. I mean, but how long can you can how long can you hide your quarterback? Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, some would argue after watching what happened with Brady, the, the Patriots have been doing it for a while. Patriots have been doing it for quite some time. <laughs> How about Cam Newton, man? Oh, man. Cam They're all like Cam. in. Cam looking like Cam. Cam showed up in a nice yellow suit, came in with a top hat. Oh, he started fighting on the field. About yeah, somebody I saw trying that. To that was intense, game. man. <laughs> but that's what we were talking about earlier. Those are the kind of players that people want to play with, play for, oh. play together. And then he threw shade at Christian Wilkins. Said he's only known for doing splits because he did the splits after the national championship game. Oh man. Oh, oh Cam is a dog, and he has a smile that can sell a million products. Um, I, he has I, sold a million products. Yeah, he has. Uh, <laughs> that's what I say. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see how uh, this experiment plays out and if they're actually going to resign him or not. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they should four years, maybe. You know what I mean? Give him an extension, make is, it five years total. But because uh, right now they're paying him like the, the veteran minimum. So yeah. are they going to put that money towards him? And then, I mean, they still have to go out and get other pieces because it's not like his receiving core is adept. <laughs> I don't understand how Julian Edelman is still playing with all the concussions that he's had. And that's oh, not from a, just... like, I'm not trying to be a dick about it or anything, but we were talking about this with Brandon Cooks the other night um, on the on the Twitter feed. Follow us. Cheers Press uh, tw- on Twitter. Um, cheering Press. Cheering Press on Twitter. But... Uh, that's just too many concussions. And like, as someone who had to stop playing football because of concussions, I get so nervous when I see that, especially a wide receiver. Like you're, I know they're, they can't rack you up over the middle, but there's no one stopping them from doing that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all it takes is one overzealous corner. Who's pissed off that he got beat that, you know, the play before <laughs> to end your entire career. And they possibly like ruin your life. And so when these guys have four or five, six concussions, I'm like, just, like, I understand you still want to play. I still wanted to play, but, like, you can't. Like, you can't. Edelman is – Edelman, yes. But, you know, a, a name I heard this weekend that I thought was already done with football, Jordan Reed made an appearance out of nowhere. And I was like, this guy's really? still playing? I think he's on Ruined San my Francisco. fantasy league, like, three years in a row. I kept taking him because I kept being like, this is the year. Washington sat him out the entire year last year because he had a concussion like in the preseason. 
and he's back. He has like seven documented concussions already. Yeah. I don't know how anyone is allowed to bring this guy into a Well, I don't know either because after my eighth documented concussion, I was told by the the training staff and the medical staff that I – it was in my quote unquote best interest to no longer pursue football. It's insane. Which I guess is easy to say to like a scout team player who's only on a partial scholarship. <laughs> like hey, if man, I was you doing it, probably be like, no, you're fine. Get out there. <laughs> but yeah, um, last two notes I had were the Lions are going to Lion. Um, really <sighs> upset DeAndre Swift dropping that pass in the end zone. I mean, he had his hands on it. Turned around and just let it go. I, I still don't know what happened there. I really hope he handles it like T.Y. handled it um, for the Colts. Did you see what T.Y. said after the game? No. He said, I lost the game. I lost the game. Uh, yeah. He said, it's 100% my fault. I lost this game. And that shows a lot of, you know, especially from a wide receiver position, because not to generalize or stereotype, but normally wide receivers are very much the ball, you know, who under through the pass, you know, who's not blocking right, who's this, who's the buddy. T.Y. straight said, T-Y it was my fault. Though. Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah. But, I, you, you know. Did you play against T.Y.? No. Or did you guys play against T.Y.? Who did T.Y. play Because he, he played for FIU. Oh, then, yeah. Yes, I would. Yeah, I was about to say, he would have been around the same time. I met Ryan Shazier one time, and I wanted to tell him, hey, we played against each other. But I was like, nah, this is not the time. Where did he go place. to college? Uh, Ohio State. <laughs> Oh, he did. I played in the horseshoe, oh, baby. I well, no, remember. I sat on the sideline in the horseshoe, baby. <laughs> I would say he just retired uh, like a week or so ago. Well, yeah, he, I mean, he was still on the team. Um, I would say he was still on the team and they were still saying like he's trying to make a comeback, but like he did an official retirement video like a week ago. Yeah, he's with the ringer now. Sad. Come to a new low network, baby. <laughs> um, and the last thing I have here for the NFL is Joe Burrow learns the Bengals way. That's it. That's the, it's the Bengals way. <laughs> what, what, you know what I, I mean? mean? Like you got into field goal range. I'm gonna save the PI call for. Yeah, I was just about to bring it up. Okay, but uh, you you get into field goal range. You 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 give it off to your kicker. You're like, hey man, done deal. This is automatic. And he pulls a calf inexplicably, and Shankopotamus, the ball is in the stands that nobody's sitting in, and you just the camera cuts to his face, and it's like. Man, I'm, I feel bad for you. <laughs> you did everything you needed to do. You didn't have the greatest game. You had a good game for a rookie quarterback. In that yeah, rookie situation. quarterback. Get first Going against game of the Joey season. Bosa and Melvin Ingram and Denzel oh Perryman. Yeah. <laughs> you can <laughs> have Chris that. Chris Harris. Take like, that number one pick, bro. Here you go. Oh, man. Like, here, here's what you've earned by this. Play one of the best defenses. Luckily, Duran James wasn't there. Greg. I was thinking when the kicker went down after he missed that kick, it was like back when uh, we were playing rec league basketball and you sh- bricked a shot. And you're like, oh, my elbow. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is that? Um, and we're going to get into the NBA, but that whole thing where when a star player has a bad game, literally that like within minutes of the game ending, it's, you know, well, oh, he's iced up. He's yeah, iced, up. iced up, shoulder injury, <laughs> rotator cuff. It's like, come on, dude. Uh, oh, man. And cramps, I think, did they say he pulled it or it was a cramp? I think they said it was calf cramped up as he kicked it. And I'm like, cramps are one of those things where you're like, yeah, yeah, I I cramped up. I didn't didn't have it at all. I don't believe he caught it mid-kick. That's that's, inexplicable. And you're, the one thing I I do know is that kickers treat their legs. And again, this is just from my personal experience playing. 
but kickers treat their legs like they're like the like gold i guess is the best way to put it like they're constantly stretching and massaging yeah. and rolling and you know what i mean like kickers treat their legs like they're you know the because they are the most important thing on their body so the fact that he's going to say he it's wasn't in a, one asset <laughs> yeah and he wasn't in the condition because a cramp is just basically you're dehydrated and you cramp up and it's like come on man like you have yeah. one job you miss, literally you one, job. one job <laughs> oh, um man. i think we're gonna need a drinking game going forward anytime brandon references his playing career <laughs> yeah Anytime um, I reference my playing career, we're going <laughs> to do a cheers from the press box. Hey, I like the sound of that. All right, let's move go. on to the NBA. Yes, playoffs. NBA playoffs. NBA. Uh, first question, what the hell is going on with the Clippers? Okay, so I've been in a I couple conversations. I knew you were going to have an opinion <laughs> on this, Joe. Look, look, I have a couple conversations. Uh, again, no surprise here, folks. I mean, a lot of surprise here. I'm a Nuggets fan. Uh, so the, my thing, I think the issue with the Clippers is they don't, they lack playmakers. They, they lack the person to give the ball to and create for anyone else. Patrick okay. Beverly is a defensive point guard. He's mm-hmm. not a setup Rajon Rondo, Chris Paul type point guard. Paul George is an ISO player. Kawhi has become their de facto point guard. So Kawhi is the de facto point guard. He also is needed on the offensive end to score and play defense against everybody because he was literally playing Jokic at in like critical minutes in the fourth yeah. quarter the other day, game six. Um, and yeah, fr- from there on, you just have a bunch of ISO players. So they don't have anybody in order to create for anyone else, but they're stout defensively. And that's kind of been their trading card. But when you got the big boy Jokic and when you got Jamal. Sorry, man. That guy is insane. I mean... And when Michael Porter Jr. out here giving you triples when you're not expecting it because he mad and tell the press about it. Yeah, I was going to say you saw that. <laughs> well, you you got know, I just Paul don't Millsap think we're giving the giving ball to you. one playmaker. It's like, what are you trying to say, man? <laughs> well, you got Paul Millsap giving you a good 15 to 17 points, you know? Monte Morris off the bench, guys putting in work, sweating tears, you know? Uh, Jeremy Grant. I mean... You know, one game seven, another game seven. You know, we're going to show what it is. We're going to do what it do. It's just insane to me that his floorness, the Joker, is not <laughs> like there's some games you watch and you go, this is this is one of the best players. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And then like, there's other games you watch and you go, how did he make that pass? How did you know what I mean? It's like, what is that? What is happening here? There's times where he'll have somebody on his back, turn around and instead of doing a fade, he does like a hook shot. And I'm like. What are you? It's in the basket. It's in the basket. Yeah. It's the it's that very much. No, no, no. Yes. All yes. right, here we go. <laughs> it's like, man, you know what? This guy's really good. <laughs> and then especially like whenever they give it out to him on the three point line and it's like a pick and pop situation, they'll just kick it back to him. Especially in the last year, you've seen it a lot more. Where like Rudy Gobert is way deep in the paint and then he has to come out and the ball's already down the net. And it's like Wow, this laboring seven foot one guy is just netting threes like it's nobody's business. Bajan Priyatna, yep. <laughs> Big old oh, Eastern man. European cat. Um, I wanted to ask you: Do you think with um, going to the East, do you think the Boston Celtics are going to flourish from this kind of hard fought 
seven-game series with the Raptors or they're going to be tired and crumble because of this hard-fought seven-game. Because the Miami Heat it looks like a team possessed right now. And I know they have a great coach in Spo, and they kind of were underrated going into this year and kind of everyone was like, oh, maybe in a year or two, maybe in a year or two, and then yeah, Hero. Yeah, maybe and, in a year or two with like another free agent or something. Yeah, yeah. And then Bam and Hero kind of came out of nowhere and was like, no, we're going to do it now. We're good. Um, but I, <laughs> I just don't. Hero more so came out of nowhere. Bam, I kind of saw this um, – coming for Bam. He, I did not expect Hero to be this good in his first year. Yeah. But yeah, um the Celtics, I think man, I don't want to burn myself again cuz I already picked against the Heat <laughs> in the Buck series. But I think the Celtics are the right combination of big and tough to contend with. And they have like l- legitimate scores. Like, yeah. Giannis is a great player, but Giannis is not a legitimate score. He can't score from anywhere on the court. Chinese Chris Middleton Kobe. can't give you everywhere on the court. Whereas Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba, if Kemba plays well, and like he did in the last series, they can give you points from anywhere on the floor. And I think that, I think it's going to come down. Me and my brother were talking earlier, and I told him, I think it's going to come down to. Where who do you have Bam guard? Because is Bam gonna guard Tatum? Is Bam gonna guard? Uh, I was gonna say Tatum. Like I don't, I don't know. Inside he has the the strength, but I don't know if outside he can keep up with them because they're a step quicker than Giannis. It's not gonna be the same. That's the problem. Is there they can play? They can do full. They can play full. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they can go outside in or inside out. It doesn't matter for them. Exactly. So I don't know. Bam is going to be the key for the Heat. Um, but I, I see the Celtics win because the Celtics have also, I mean, I think this is as far as Jimmy's been. It is. In the playoffs. Yeah, I, was about to say, I don't think Jimmy's been to a, a conference and playoff final. Earlier when you said the Celtics are a tough team, I, I almost wanted to interrupt and be like, yeah, but Jimmy Butler's on the Heat. Yeah, and Jimmy, Jimmy Butler will fight everybody, including nails. his own. Yeah, including his own teammates, and he's done that before. Jimmy is tough as now. I will never disrespect Jimmy, but I mean the Celtics. Team, oh, because they'll come to your house and try and will fight you. Show up here and bam me upside the head. What no up, Joe? <laughs> but um, I mean the Celtics team. Uh, Brown and Tatum have already been to a game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavs in Tatum's rookie year. When they were missing, uh, I think Hayward was uh, had got hurt that year as well. I think that yeah. was the foot injury year. Yep. So I I think the Celtics, I think Brad, Brad Stevens has been knocking on the door for long enough. I think this is the time he gets uh, to the finals. I, I have the Celtics in six, if okay. not seven, six, you know, toss up. I, I agree with you. I, I'm taking the Celtics as well. I just... The problem is I took I like you said I bet against the Heat every series yeah, I, because I'm I like look, well, I keep going I knew they yeah, were going to beat the Pacers I knew yeah. they were going to beat the Pacers Oh you did okay Yeah 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 no I didn't have any faith in the Pacers but I thought the Bucks had their I thought Giannis was going to redeem himself from last year and man he just got worked And it's so disappointing the thing that's is, is sad to see especially in a, like Major League Baseball and the NBA because these seasons are so long. This, and even hockey, because this happened with the Lightning a few years ago, to have such a good year to, like, lead the league, you know what I mean, and yeah. wins 
and everything, and, and then, then you go into the playoffs and, and you, you get bounced get in the first or second round, and it's like it's it's so depressing because it's like that whole season, all that work, all was, that work, all that work. <laughs> you didn't even make the semis, man. Like, oh, like the, oh man, a couple yeah. years ago, I remember the Lightning led. Greg, you'll remember this when the Lightning led um, in points and were like dominating people through the Didn't whole season. Didn't they like season. tie the record for most points ever? No, they broke the record for most points. They broke the it. Yeah. And, they got and then got bounced in the first round in like a sweep. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, last year. What the fuck? But the Calgary got swept as well. And they were the number one seed in the West and the Avalanche swept them. So that was, that was a crazy season. Both number one seeds were swept out of the playoffs. I couldn't it's believe insane. it. Yeah, no, it's crazy. That's why sports are sports. That's why we play the games. Oh, that's, so that's why, why play. we play the games. As Herm Edwards say, you play to win the game. Hello. <laughs> All right, Greg, I'm going to kick it over to you. We're going to go through the quick hits. So it's going to be a question portion from our producer, L. Greg. Yes, sir. Hello. These are just some, um, uh, just kind of go off on some other subjects to a little bit of football, but some other topics we haven't touched on and probably won't touch on that much anyway. But <laughs> all right. So <laughs> the one year pass interference challenge experiment failed apparently because it does not exist anymore this year in the NFL. But there are at least two big time occasions last night where there definitely would have been challenges and it could have changed the outcome of a game. So do you, what are your thoughts on the challenge if they ever need to bring it back and the specific pass offensive pass interferences that were called in the Cincinnati, uh, Chargers game and the the, Dallas game and Dallas and the Rams? Yeah. Um, Brittany, you want to go first? No, you go, you got it. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, one, they should not bring the challenge back because I mean, they overturned it at like less than a 20% clip on some that everybody on in the world agree like, okay, that just should be overturned. And then they wouldn't because they would just call what was on the field because they didn't want to overrule their own referees and that whole conundrum and fraternity. But um, I think the green one was a PI because he extended. We saw him extend. He pushed off on the corner. And the Dallas one, I feel like, Jalen was the bigger star. Jalen kind of acted it up a bit. Kind of. (laughs) And Jalen got the benefit of the doubt from the ref and got the call. But um, I think a more interesting thing is both of those calls were called in crucial game situations. And I don't think they would call an OPI if the crowd is there. I think the crowd not being there, like in the NBA where they've been calling a lot more late game fouls where usually they'll swallow their whistle. I think that unburdens the referee to call the game as they see fit instead of being influenced by the crowd. They're not worried for their life I, as they leave the stadium. I was exactly. just about to say I completely <laughs> agree with you because these I mean, they're they're public record. Like people know who these guys are. But I, I like the fact that there's not a, a P.I. challenge. Um I agree that it's kind of, and I hate to say it, like uh, it's an element of human error, but it's a human game. But because that seems kind of like a cop out, especially when it comes to things like, well, no, you want to see, you know, you want the best team to win. You don't want a team that got away with, you know, shitty penalties to win. But at the same time, I'm glad that they don't have the challenge anymore. But I don't, I think both of those, especially the Jalen one was, Obviously, everyone can see it's not pass interference, but it, it's 
And the like you said, Joe, like let them play. Like this is it's not the middle of the first quarter, or like you know yeah. the middle of the third. Like this is the game. The game is, is on the line. Game is about to be decided right now. <laughs> and I'll never forget, like when I I remember last year, I remember it vividly. It was um the Rams were it was happened to the Rams again when Clay Matthews he came off the edge he hit the quarterback it would have ended the game it was like on a fourth oh, down was and that they against called, Trubisky? Yeah, they called driving him into the ground it, and yeah. the game was over because then yeah, they the they ended up in field goal range fresh set of downs and that was the game and I just remember I was like well I'm not a Rams fan but I'm a, you know I'm a fan of the sport and I remember being like irate because I was like the ref is going to decide this game. The, the yeah, red, I was like, really livid on that, one. and it was a bad, it was a bad call to top it all off, and I oh, and I so I'm glad they don't do the challenge anymore. I kind of like the challenge only to the fact that where it would keep the refs honest. But like you said, it was I think the final statistic from last year was twelve percent. Twelve percent of the yeah. challenges were overturned, and it was like, well, then what's the point? Like if yeah, they're not going to even overturn it, then <laughs> then it doesn't make any sense. But I just I, I hate the fact when the refs can decide the game, and I understand. That, you know, there's nothing worse, uh, you know, when I played, there was nothing worse than <laughs> getting called for a holding call. Like, because, you know, I, I was a blocker, so yeah. I would hold all the time. You're taught to hold. <laughs> just do it to where no one can tell. And when you get the call, you're like, all right, you got me. But I couldn't imagine how frustrating it would be to be on the defensive end of the ball and be like, this guy is cheating. This whole yeah. game, this guy is cheating. <laughs> like, somebody has to see this. Somebody should make a call. Especially when you're getting to the sideline and your coach is giving you hell. Like, he's yeah. telling you, like, he's holding me. Yeah. So, I understand the fact that, you know, it's good that the refs are more free to make the calls, especially with the crowds not being there and stuff. But at the same time, it's such a bang-bang thing. You know, Jalen starts to fall back and you think, well, this is an elite athlete. He's one of the best corners in the NFL. He's only going to fall. Like he's only going to stumble if he was pushed. Yeah, if he's and then you look at against. you look at it from the other angle. It's like, oh no, he got beat, and he was like, I oh, I couldn't believe it. Demonstrated some of his LA acting classes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Next one, Greg. All right, let's move on from football to some wrestling, which I know is Brennan's cup of tea. But uh, Brennan's going to carry this one. <laughs> Chris Jericho mentioned on a podcast or I think or some sports show that he thinks the WWE is going to regret losing Rusev, who's moved to the AEW, now wrestling under the name Miro. Uh, Brennan, do you agree with that? Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I spoke uh, not directly to Tony Khan, <laughs> but um, I did. Uh, I talked to a, a couple buddies of mine, comics here in Florida, uh, Marcus Crespo and Brian Ziola, who are like I like wrestling, but they're, uh, they love wrestling. They're very into it. They know kind of all the backstories and stuff. And my history with the AEW is uh, Tony Khan was one of my regulars when I worked at a specific restaurant. Um, I got to know him and then, you know, he kind of invited, started inviting some of us to the, to the events. So I, I kind of got back into wrestling. I hadn't been in it for a while and then kind of got back in when uh, I met Tony. Um, so I've been a big AEW fan and the whole thing with uh, Miro formerly known as Rusev is uh, the two guys that I spoke to said that I guess what he did in the WWE was he was, he felt like he was being misused. So he went out on his own using social media to kind of get over on the WWE. He became a fan favorite. He has a huge following on Twitch. Um, and the WWE was like, that's not how this works. Like we decide when you become a star. And so just a guard shit. 
Yep, yep, very much so. And a couple of names I'm going to throw out that are now with the AEW, that the same thing happened in the WWE. Uh, Moxley, who's the AEW World Champion. FTR, who are now the Tag Team Champions in AEW. Matt Cardona, who was formerly Zack Ryder in the WWE. And even Cody, uh, the Nightmare himself, were all guys in the, a- uh, excuse me, in the WWE that were going to be almost like middling acts, as it were, and they were like, no, we're better than this. And then they went out and found their own cult following, just like Miro did. And the WWE was like, nah, forget it. Like, you, you can leave. And I think the AEW not only will benefit and has benefited from that happening, but I think the WWE is going to gonna live to regret this. I think they they know right now they're the bigger company and they've been around for 60 years and they can kind of do what they want. But I mean, we all saw what happened in the Attitude Era with the WCW versus the WWE. And if you read or any of those books or watch any of those documentaries, which I have, the WWE was very close to folding. They almost lost that Monday Night War. And it was, it was only a couple lucky breaks that they came out of it. But like that could happen all over again. And they might not yeah. survive this time. But that's my Especially take. Especially when uh, Vince McMahon is filing for bankruptcy on the... XFL, so. Yeah. Well, and I think, I so I, I to answer the question, I do think they're going to regret losing him, but I also think this is a business model that WWE has always pushed. We're going to get these super gigantic, they call them superstars. Like, when you talk to them, I've heard people who've interviewed the WWE superstars, you cannot call them wrestlers, you have to call them superstars. Um, so they have their few that they push, but the problem is, is the AEW gets bigger and bigger, which it's doing, and as it grows... You're not going to be, you know what I mean? You're not going to be able to decide who is the next The Rock or the next John Cena because no one's going to give a shit anymore because they're going to watch something else. And I honestly think that AEW is a better product, but that's just my opinion because I know Tony. (laughs) Right on, right on. So there's only a couple weeks left in this shortened MLB season. October is near. Do you guys have any takes on who you think is going to be stepping into the World Series this year? Miami Marlins. Sorry. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Joe is a diehard <laughs> Miami Marlins fan. Yes, yes, yes. And we're we're firmly in the playoff position. But um, I don't think we're going to make it. I think it's hard to not say the Dodgers coming out of the NL. That's who I have. Um, and I won't say the Dodgers. Um, I'll say the Cubbies. I feel like uh, David Ross coming back, former catcher, coming back to manage his old team. Um, Rizzo's playing well. They, one of their pitchers just threw a no-hitter yesterday, uh, two days ago, when you're hearing this. And out of the AL, my buddies are going to love me saying this, but, I mean, I think it's going to be the Tampa Bay Rays. Hey, and I think I, are the same person. I think this is the year that the Rays get it done. They've been building and building and building. Boston is dirt trash this year. Garbage. These are subpar because of injuries, as they always do. They really need to look at their medical staff. Um, <laughs> the only other team to contend with the A's, I mean, with them, is the A's in the AL. And I think they have more talent than the A's, so... Yeah, I think Tampa's analytics is going to pay off. And this year, they yep. finally get it done in like 08. That's what I was going to say is I think the Rays, using the analytics and everything, have good, not great starters. But they have, a, you know, more of them. Well, than, Blake Snell is pretty great. Yeah, but you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things where it's a steady stream. So instead of like, yeah. you know, some, a team like the Nationals who have two awesome starters, and then it's just kind of like, oh, what do we do now? 
I think they have a steady stream of like, oh no, we're good. We, we've got guys we can throw yeah. at you. And they then, got a lot of solid guys, and they've been using that uh, bullpen lineups on yeah. certain days and stuff. So, I've got the Dodgers. I Dodgers. I, I, I took the Dodgers. Yeah. They've got the big. They got yeah. the deepest bullpen, the best pitching. I got the Dodgers. I I I want to say the Dodgers because I like Dave Roberts. I like Mookie. I, uh, Mookie. I, I think Kershaw is a bit overrated. Um, that, but that's because I'm more, I like Scherzer more because I like power pitching. But um, I, I I every year they get to the playoffs and they they make an error because they have too many good players. So they play certain players on some days, sit certain players, and it's like, okay, why are you sitting one of your best players? Because no, just play the best team you have. Don't don't overthink it. Yeah. Sometimes they just overthink it, and I think the Cubs won't overthink it. And <laughs> I think. The Rays won't over well if the Rays overthink it, it'll be the right decision because every time they say somebody's good, they're fucking good. Yeah, that that farm <laughs> system is insane. Yeah, the Rays are the freaking the geniuses of the whole MLB. So, yeah, what do you got cool, next for us, cool. Greg? All right, well, on Saturday, uh, tennis player Naomi Osaka got down. She lost the first set 6-1, was down 3-0 in the second set, and came back to win the U.S. Women's Open final. What do you think about this performance and her performance throughout the whole tournament? Um, Joe, I'm going to let you carry this one. Because <laughs> I was no, watching, sorry. I know you watched this in depth. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she was stellar. She showed a lot of fight. It was like... It was like going back to being a kid and watching like Serena in her early years. Like me and my brothers were literally texting each other like, you watching this? You watching this? And we don't watch tennis a ton, but like whenever it's like greatness at work, you kind of have to tune in. Like you said, Greg, she was down in the first set. In the second set, there was one point where she started the point down 40 love. And then she came all the way back, deuced it up and then took the advantage point, took the game. And she just kept fighting back, fighting back. And the display of brilliance that she put on, like she was slicing balls in like you had to watch it. It was magnificent. She was great. I, I love how they do their challenges, by the way. Other uh, sports need to adopt that because like the player can just be like, ah, I think that was in running back. She did that a couple times. <laughs> and boom, it was like directly. It was like. Just a smidge on the line. She got it. And Azarenka fucking pushed her to all hell. And I think it was in the final set where Naomi had got up 4-1. She got a 4-1 and it's like, all right, coast coast out right here. Azarenka came back, took, uh, was it one, one or two games in that set? Yeah, she came back and took two more sets. And it was like, oh, man. Me and my brother started texting each other like, oh, man, it's getting a little shaky. Is she going to push through? And I was like... Hey, sometimes you got to get battle tested in order to make that next step. And yeah, the next two sets, she kind of just cruised and she won and it was pretty awesome. And she gave a great quote to uh, Tom Rinaldi where he asked her, okay, so you've, because all through the tournament, she was wearing different masks of uh, different victims of police brutality and racial injustice. And he said, what have you learned about this? And she turned it back and said, what did you learn about this? This wasn't about me. This was for you and the people to understand. Oh, yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ, a 22 year old having that much understanding of the moment and everything. It was just so impressive. Yeah, definitely. 
Quick thoughts on jo- Djokovic getting booted after uh, hitting the linesman with a errant tennis <laughs> yeah, yeah. ball to the neck. You can't do that, man. You <laughs> kill somebody. You can't. I don't. I mean, I know we're both. We're I'm because I'm Serbian by uh, blood and everything, and I understand like they have a reputation of being very angry people. But like, I don't care how mad you get, man. You can't. You can't yeah. do that. That'd be <laughs> like an was, you know what I mean, like someone getting a flag in the NFL just and just be like, "Nah, I'm gonna take the ref out." Yeah, it's like, nah, man, that happens in movies. You can't do that in real life. They'd arrest you for assault. Yeah. That happens in what the last cowboy or something. What's the name? Yeah, the longest yard. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You you, you can't you can't do that. I mean, it doesn't look like he a hundred percent intended to actually hit her. I don't think he but, was aiming at her, but it just bad luck. And- but once it makes contact, it's like, yeah, you gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, see, that's these are prof- This dude's been playing tennis since he could walk. He's a professional yeah. athlete. If you have if he wants to control. hit her, he hit. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, like. Like those, like the pitchers in the MLB. It's like if they if they want you tagged, you're tagged. Exactly. All right, Greg. Last one. Well, they uh, you noticed on the sidelines this weekend in the NFL, the coaches wearing their masks in different locations on their faces, different types of masks. Most of them not wearing them at all. Uh, there's a mandate for them to wear masks on the sidelines, and the NFL came out with a strongly worded letter today saying. They could face discipline if they don't start following the rules set up for this. So, do you think that's a little harsh? Uh, I think the yeah, NFL is just trying. Us. Yeah, I think the NFL is just trying to save face um, for public consumption. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, that's just my opinion. I think they have to say there's going to be strong disciplinary actions if you don't wear the mask. The, I mean, I understand there's a pandemic and I take it as seriously as anybody else. Cause I'm, you know, I, I'm at work during this. So I'm constantly following protocols and wearing my mask over my nose and face and everything. But the fact of the matter is, is these guys are going to be around each other constantly. You know, you know, the coaches aren't always wearing masks at practice and stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's frustrating for them. And I get that, but the NFL has to say something right. because if yeah. the NFL doesn't say anything, then everyone's going to be like, a lot of consumers are going to say, what the hell are you doing? Not saying anything like, so it's just very much like, you know, Hey, don't do that. And then if they and do it the again, sheep it's like in the bush would be like the sheep of the bunch would be like, well, they're not doing it. So then I don't have to do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. And it's, you know, you're, you're obviously a lot of people watch this, you know, the sports, the most popular sport in the country and you have to get them to wear it. And I'm sure there's a lot of advertisers that are like, Hey, like we're trying to get something done here. Like, you know, this is bad sure. for business, which is what it boils down to for a lot of the NFL, which is sad to say. But still, as long as the commissioner and the commissioner's office says something, then they're not the bad guy. Right. Yeah. I said, we said it. You heard us. Greg said it on Cheers from the Press Box that there was a strongly <laughs> worded letter. So, CYOB. Yeah, I think that's I I think that has more to do with it than any actual disciplinary action. Yeah, I think it's optics. Um uh, just that's like the, word I was for. the NFL the NBA hasn't had a positive test in like three, four months at this point, but players are still distanced on their sidelines. I think it's just it's better optics showing that everyone's taking this seriously and we're taking it just as seriously as the next person. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's quick hits. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I loved all we your answers. We got to get a sounder for that. We got to get a yeah, sounder gonna, for that. We're going to get sounders for everything. I got a lot of pre-pro to do uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be all a right. nice vehicle. At the end of, 
very soon. Thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. Yeah, it is our first episode. We're still working out some of the kinks. Next, we're going to do our walk-off. So like I said earlier, this is going to be a, a short essay that um, Joe and or I have long. prepared. Or long. Mine's actually <laughs> pretty long, too. And I might cry during mine. But um, that we have prepared. This will be, um, unlike the rest of the show, this will be uninterrupted. Obviously, at the end, of, you know, we want to talk about it. That's more than welcome. But the actual uh, portion will be uninterrupted. Just think, you know, very Scott Van Pelt, one big thing sort of sort of sort of model. Yeah. Right, I was Jeff. thinking uh, I was thinking sports reporters. Yeah. There, yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. So mine is titled None for Me. All right. This past Thursday, the NFL kicked off and so did my Miami Hurricanes. But for the first time ever, I didn't watch. I didn't check the score. I didn't care. I've always thought college athletes should be paid. They generate enough for the coaches, the ADs, the commissioners, the NCAA, their TV partners, the sponsors, and the schools. So why shouldn't they receive something? This season added another layer to this issue I've wrestled with because COVID-19 is present. At the beginning of the pandemic, that is not over, mind you, we were told that essential workers should be the only ones out there working. Then we witnessed the quest for civil rights and the notion that black lives matter. Then sports came back. The NBA, WNBA, and NHL all went to bubbles and have had been running smoothly. MLB went bubbleless and has seen a couple outbreak, two major outbreaks and several smaller outbreaks. All this while everyone wondered what would happen with college athletics. I kept thinking of the word essential. Absolutely necessary, extremely important. College football is not necessary, nor is it important. It is only important to the bottom line of the NCAA. Scholarships. That's where these athletes are promised as compensation. Meanwhile, coaches are promised bonuses for specific achievements. What do players get? More books? Some colleges started opening up back in August, and they have seen several outbreaks, causing teams to quarantine and school to move all classes online. If a student athlete is not allowed to attend class, are they a student? At that point, they're just an athlete. And like pros, they should be compensated. Many scrimmages, practice, and games have already been postponed due to the virus. There's been links there. There's also been a link between a heart complication with some of the athletes that have contracted the virus. So why put these players at risk? Some say this is their only way to make it to the pros, or but the players want to play. Only about two percent of players that play make it to the next level. And I contend, if we were to properly compensate these players on the front end, they would be less reticent to put their lives at risk. If these athletes are so essential to your weekly entertainment, why shouldn't they be compensated? These athletes are not gifted an opportunity. They have worked hard for this their entire lives. These athletes are at the focal point of a business that generates over a billion dollars a year for an organization that doesn't even pay taxes. The first president of the NCAA, Walter Beyer, the very man who built the structure that went on to criticize it later in his life saying, it's a disservice to these young people that the management of intercollegiate athletics stay in place committed to an outmoded code of amateurism. And I attribute that to, quite frankly, to the neo-plantation mentality that exists on the campuses of our country and the conference office in the NCAA. The, coaches owns, the coach owns the player's feet. The college owns the athlete's body. Byer also went on to write in his book, Unsportsmanlike Conduct, Exploding College Athletes, saying, Collegiate amateurism is not a moral issue. 
It is an economic camouflage for monopoly, one which operates on an airtight racket of supplying cheap athletic labor. So, tailgate responsibly, six feet apart, because I won't cheer for your favorite team from the comfort of your home, because I won't go to work wearing your mask and tell your boss to keep your paycheck. Oh, excuse me. That last part is only for the student athlete. Beautiful. Loved it. Thank you. Agonized over that for a while. <laughs> um, when uh, you play, I know um, on the divi- like the NCAA Division One level, you have to sign over like you have to sign a lot of paperwork and compliance, and ninety percent of it is about have you ever been paid? Do you plan on being paid? Are you being paid now? Um, it's insane how much they want to make sure you don't get paid for your efforts. <laughs> um, and I was a partial scholarship fucking scout team player. And I was like, we all have to sign all this. And they're like, yep. There's an entire wing of every athletic department called compliance dedicated to making sure players don't get paid. Yes. It's insane. The NCAA is in the business of keeping the players broke, as Bomani Jones likes to say. Yeah, it's crazy. Especially because, like you said, 2%, man. I have, I've got, <laughs> it's insane. All right. So I'm going to do mine. That was really good, Joe. I appreciate you, you airing that out. And it's especially poignant. I really enjoyed it because as you were throwing out some of the numbers and quotes and stuff, I was like, they do do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, man. It's, I, I didn't, uh, sorry to. No, go ahead. Um, I had watched this documentary called The Scheme. Uh, yeah, I yeah. HBO. push anybody to go see it. It's on HBO. And at the end, when Dan Wetzel, Dan Wetzel works for Yahoo Sports, when he said that the NCAA is a nonprofit, so they don't pay taxes, I was like, wait, what? So they just have this money sitting somewhere in a bunker for them to disperse to whoever they want, and they don't have to even pay the athletes? Like, people have built models that show how you can pay the athletes and still be who you are and function the way you are and give the players something like it's just mind numbing to me. And then people say, Oh, they shouldn't be played because they're college athletes. It's like, but they bring in a billion dollars for the other kids to go to school, but then they can't get paid. Like I was, I, I wasn't a college athlete, but I worked uh, in the video production department. I interned and I would see the basketball players and they're playing basketball every single day. They're in practice every single day. And I did internship and then I would go to work and then I made money at work. They couldn't get a job because they're in the gym every day. Oh, and it's against the rules. You can't get a job. Yeah. You're not allowed to. So bizarre. It's not like, oh, I can't get a job because I have film and then I have workout. Like you're not allowed to. Yeah. Because they think you're going to get benefits where you don't go to work and people just pay you. But it's all fucked. Well, the biggest thing, too, is that they know that, like, if you're not very passionate about the sport or even if you are very passionate, but say you get your girlfriend pregnant or something, you're going to be like, wait, I can get paid, paid like real money. And then you're not going to come back. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, that was awesome. Um, Mine is going to be. So the title of mine is if you swing for the fences, anything possible, anything's possible. Um, This is based off of with it being our first episode. I kind of want to give a little background on just why I'm so passionate about sports. Um, So that's kind of what this is. It's not going to be as long, um, but I think it's pretty poignant for what we're talking about. 
Sports are a great thing in life. I play team sports from seventh grade through college. It has taught me teamwork, leadership, revealed passion and work ethic I didn't know I had. On I have on occasion come across people that say things like sports are stupid or competition is overrated. And then there's those people who say it's damaging to a person's psyche. To that, I'm always awestruck because of what I personally gained from sports. It was through sports that I truly understood what it means to be a family, to have a bond forged in blood, sweat and tears. It didn't matter where you lived, what color you were or the economic status of you or your family. We all went through the same devastating losses and glorious triumphs together. We did all of that together. There are expectations, or excuse me, there are exceptions. The guy whose dad was the coach or the unbelievably gifted athlete who didn't really have to try. But those are just that, exceptions. The overwhelming majority of my personal experiences in sports is we all had to work together, one family, one team, one goal. In today's political and social turmoil, I find sports to be incredibly important, not only as a platform to reach more people with the message of equality and truly justice for all, but on a more basic level of bringing people together. This is not the first time sports have been a rock during a trying time for our country. Joe DiMaggio broke the all-time hit streak record the same year Hero Hero bombed Pearl Harbor. For four, five at-bats a day, Jolt and Joe helped Americans forget that we were going to war. One week after the attacks of September 11th, the NFL restarted the season. It was to give people what they so desperately needed, something to root for. Sports have a much bigger meaning than just a dumb game. When your team wins a spectacular game or loses... For that matter, it captures a time, a place, and an emotion. What it really shows us, all of us, that it doesn't matter who you are, but if you work really hard and swing for the fences, then anything is possible. And that is my walk-off. That is, that was beautiful, man. Both, both, so of, both of you guys' essays were great. All right, all down here from here. I mean, <laughs> you guys, uh, you should write, you should print them out and... We, we, gotta call them, we gotta keep calling them walk-offs though. If we keep calling them essays, <laughs> people are gonna be like, what is this homework? Yeah. <laughs> it felt like homework a little bit. I was like, yeah. I haven't she written this much. And everything. <laughs> I haven't written this much in so long. I, um, I, I told my girlfriend, I was like, I gotta revise my essay. She goes, for what? I was like, my the podcast. And she's like, essay? What are you, back in school? <laughs> yeah, um, oh, I will say uh, one thing that stuck with me in your essay was... Um, that respite from, uh, you know, daily nonsense. Uh, I've had a lot of fucking intermittent moments of depression through these last six, seven months. And with sports coming back, it, it invigorates me. It gives me that juice when fucking Jamal Murray goes and hits that three. I'm fucking charged up when Brian Anderson for the Marlins. I have to say that because nobody knows who's on the Marlins. Um, <laughs> when he hits a home run or makes a great play at third base, I'm like fucking, I'm just charged up. And it's like just a good way to let go and dive into something else. And yeah, man, yeah, that, that really spoke to me. Good job, Doc. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been my whole life. And it, you know, it's weird when people are like, it's just a game. It's like, I understand that it's a game, but it's, it's so much. It's so much. I just, it's just so much more than that. Like, you know, it's everyone, it, when your team wins the Super Bowl, you know where you are. You make time uh, to, you know what I mean? You make time to watch it. It brings, look, you my could team go on the Super Bowl in my lifetime. Dude, <laughs> there's so many times where, uh, cause I work Sunday mornings where I'll go maybe to like, um, a place like Ale House across the street to grab lunch. And there doesn't matter, black, 
white, Hispanic men, women, all wearing the same jersey. And I'm like, this, this is what this is what sports is. This. Yeah. Right here. You just carry that over into real life sometimes. Yeah. And that's why. (laughs) And so since we're doing a sports podcast and, you know, I I played sports most of my life, I was like, this is episode one. I want to get this out there so people understand what sports mean to me. And it doesn't matter. There are certain things that like I not even a Raptors fan, but I'll never forget where I was when Kawhi made that shot last year, man. That I was sitting true. on my couch. I jumped <laughs> up. I screamed to my girlfriend who doesn't really even like sports that much. And I was like, this is why we play the games. <laughs> oh, but man. anyway. All right. So we're heading into the press conference portion of the podcast. This is where we're going to do a little sign off. Plug anything we need to plug. Oh, Greg, you got anything you got to plug? Want to talk about? Yeah. So you can get to your Denver. <laughs> well, you know, this is a uh, part of a larger network of different podcasts and we're really proud of it it's called a new low and you can find all of those at a new low.co and if you want to follow me on the twitters i'm at pine dagger and then i'll let joe and brennan take the rest of it um i'll go next because i have probably a little more plugs uh you can follow me personally at joe dorville on twitter and instagram um you can find a new low on twitter at a new low uh, Twitter and Instagram at a new low pod. Um, I do a Hamilton podcast where we review rank uh, and talk about every song on the Hamilton soundtrack with one of my co-hosts, Kyle. And uh, you can follow that at who does a pod on Twitter and Instagram and check for my album. Cause I do music sometimes uh, it's called TV and my rap name is headphone. Joe, no, O, no E Brandon. Brennan, you just Brennan. call me. You, you do that Brennan. all the time. Sorry, sorry. It slips. It slips sometimes. I know it does. I know. Um, Brennan T Comedy, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, BrennanTComedy.com. Yes, I also do comedy uh, sometimes <laughs> on the side. If you're in the Jacksonville area, we've got a show September 19th, Veterans United Brewing. That'll be at 8 o'clock. Come out, say hi. Um, cheers from the press box. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Cheering Press. And uh, that's it. That was a great oh, show, guys. Last but not least, oh, sorry. Uh, look for a new low, uh, add a new low pod on Twitch. Check us out on Twitch. Oh, the yeah. The show will eventually be live on Twitch as well. I forgot we are going to be streaming from Twitch. So check us out at Cheering Press, like I said, on all social media. I'm Brennan T. Comedy on all social media. Joe Dorville, L. Greg. Anything else, boys? Nope. Uh, keep on rocking around. Perfect. Yeah. That's why we play the game. Yeah. <laughs>